On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. By now, you know that sound. It's the sound of the Home Depot. But what about that sound? You're listening to a set of GE appliances, complete with all you need to keep food fresh, dishes clean, and everything else stress-free. Making this the sound of savings on top brand appliances. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Get up to 25% off select GE appliances right now. Offer valid January 5th through January 25th, 2023. U.S. only. See store or online for details. Welcome to Stephanie and Stephanie Talk Tunes, the show where we share stories and memories connected to the music that has shaped our lives. Hi, I'm Stephanie Myers. Hey, y'all. Stephanie Pena here. I think we're going to have a great show today. I think this is a person and band that resonates with us both, Stephanie. And it's great. And we also want to just make sure that folks know that we do have a content slash trigger warning today. We will be talking about suicide. So just wanted to let you know before we get into the episode, Dr. Juniors, just letting you know. Yeah, absolutely. Now, thanks for that, for sure. Always something good to, to mention. It's a deep, it's a heavy topic, obviously. Um, before we start into the song, into the band, um, which I'm very excited about today, um, just want to do our usual chit chat around any type of rock and roll news, music news. Um, so, hey, Talk Tuners, we do record in advance um, and... Uh, this week, on September 22nd, um, I learned that the ghost frontman, um, his stage name is Papa, uh, and I'm going to totally pronounce this wrong, um, Emeritus, I'm going to try, I tried, uh, yeah. Papa Emeritus Fourth, the Fourth. Okay. Cool, cool. <laughs> he, um, he actually was, uh, he threw the first pitch at the White Sox game versus the Cleveland Indians on the 22nd. Um, and I just, I love, I'm a sports fanatic. Um, of course I'm a, I'm a music fanatic. Wouldn't be doing this with Stephanie if I wasn't, but, uh, just wanted to talk about that stuff. Cause I always love it when, um, my, uh, my favorites, uh, just collide. Um, yeah. Um, have you, are you familiar with ghosts or do you like any of their music? I'm familiar with them, but I know you'd had some really fun things to share about them. Cause I feel like they don't get a lot of press all the time and the things that you had, I know were kind of fun facts. Yeah, no, absolutely. So ghost is a Swedish occult rock band y'all. So, um, you, when you listen to their first album, every album evolves. Um, they, uh, the first albums sound like something off the soundtrack of the Omen or the Exorcist. Um, so definitely very cool. Listen to, they have been while, uh, around for quite a while. I actually saw them for the first time, opened up for Deftones in 2016, I want to say. Um, and that was awesome. That was my intro. Um, happened to catch the opening band, and I was like, holy shit, what is this? So uh, Ghost definitely has a very strong stage presence. Um, they're always masked up. They always have um, master painted up, one or the other. Um, and they put on a really great live show. They are hitting the um the mainstream now more um due to tiktok so tiktok oh. uh yeah the power of tiktok um one of their uh well their newest 
single Mary on a cross, their video just went viral on TikTok, and now oh. um, it made the billboard 100. Um, oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're a different type of band y'all check them out. They're a lot of fun. Um, they have, they just went through Austin not too long ago. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to check them out, but, um, ghost man, definitely look them up. They are not your typical metal band. That's all I have to say. Definitely very, very melodic. And, uh, on that note, um, you know, we're going to talk about today, Joy Division. Joy Division is a band out of, uh, Manchester, England. Um, you know, they are an icon. They are, uh, they are dark wave. They started yeah. it post-punk dark wave. Yeah. I mean, these are pioneers. And today we are talking about their hit, Love Will Tear Us Apart. I mean, I, this is this is going to be the first Joy Division song you'll you'll hear. I, I'd be surprised. Totally, if, totally. <laughs> someone's like, "Yeah, bust out with a deep cut." I'm like, "No," because they don't <laughs> get a lot. Like Ghost, uh, Joy Division didn't get a lot of uh, you know a lot of press at the time, and we'll go into more detail of that. But let's talk about how they started their origins. So, Joy Division band members include Ian Curtis, who's vocals; Peter Hook, bassist. Bernard Sumner, the guitar and keyboardist, and Stephen Morris on the drums. Now, they have an interesting, very interesting story of how uh, they, they came into uh, creation. It was Peter Hook and Bernard Sumner who were at an iconic performance in 1976, June 4th to be exact, at the Lesser Free Trade Hall, Manchester, England, the Sex Pistols were on stage. And this is such an iconic performance, not only because of the Sex Pistols and just being who they are, um, all the people that were in attendance, it was like all the future stars, let's get together and hang out and watch Sex Pistols. Y'all, I can't believe this. So in attendance at this show was Morrissey. Okay. I mean, he's from the Manchester. Of course, of course Morrissey right? was there. Why not? I mean, he was there. Why not? Of course. Come on, Moz. Howard DeVoto and Peter Shelley at the Buzzcocks, they were there and they actually organized the concert. They were supposed to be opening up for the Sex Pistols, um, but for whatever reason that didn't work out, but they booked the venue and yeah, Steph, I know Buzzcocks is definitely one of your favorites. Um, Love them. Yeah, super nuts. Um, Marky Smith from The Fall. Um, post-punk band, definitely want to check that out. Um, we'll check them out sometime if y'all haven't heard his music. Tony Wilson. Tony Wilson was in attendance. Tony Wilson is a, uh, a very famous 
record label owner. Uh, he produced radio and television shows. He's known as Mr. Manchester. He actually ended up being the manager of Joy Division and then later on New Order. We'll go into that in a second. But yeah, I mean, really? That's crazy. That is crazy. Um, so all these folks are in attendance. Um, gave Peter Hook and Bernard like that inspiration to start a band of their own. So supposedly the next day, Peter Hook goes out and buys a guitar and, and you know, Sumner has a drum, well, Sumner, you know, gets a guitar as well, whatever. And they just, they start jamming. Three weeks later, the Sex Pistols actually returned to Manchester and that's where they met Ian Curtis. So what? what's up the sex pistols i mean this is i don't know i just love it i'm just uh there's really no words it just it, it tickles my soul it makes me happy all these people yeah in the room at one time these legends my i know <laughs> i love that i love that origin story and just makes me think too it's like there's always this kismet i think when kind of like there's creativity born out of scenes um it's almost like the muses are all together right and i feel like that's definitely yeah. what happened here with all these big names kind of they got together and like okay this group this group this group and i love the history of that and how it happens right yeah it's just, just by chance like God, i mean we talk about it a lot with lower east side new york and just new york in general um but yeah what a time right yeah. And, uh, yes. Yeah, so their name, Joy Division. Seth, you did some research on that. Uh, educate us on the name. Yeah. So we got their origin story and the name that came about is, you know, it's interesting and it's a little dark. So Joy Division got their name from the prostitution wings of the Nazi concentration camps during World War II. And I'll add here that history has since shown um that many times this was not consensual sex work that was happening yeah. during the war, um, especially with this wing, it was uh, women who were forced into this. So uh, we take away from that, that uh, the bottom line is it was kind of an ironic name the band decided mm -hmm. to take on. And honestly, when you think about that, I think it's obvious if you're familiar with their music, the sense of irony and twisting things and um, having things show out this darkness, right? And yeah. thematically, I think that makes sense for Joy Division specifically, especially once you know more about the music and really their history. Yeah, for sure. Um, just to elaborate on that, the research I was doing for the show, their original names were Stiff Kittens and Warsaw. Now, Warsaw, I did know, but I didn't know about Stiff Kittens. That's hilarious. Um, wow. <laughs> that, yeah. So, I yeah, I'm way. just going to leave that there. Just going to leave that there. Um, <laughs> but uh, really, really great artists. And uh, yeah, Love Will Tear Us Apart, man. An iconic song for sure. Yeah. So to your point, Stephanie, really is, I think, when people think Joy Division, they do think of this song. We're going to get into uh, other songs and just other parts of their music. But it's definitely, I think, the song that's associated the most with them. And you yeah. hear it kind of everywhere. And... Ian Curtis wrote it about the problems in his marriage at the time, and then also his epilepsy. So mm -hmm. it converged in this uh, song that's very, you know, it's dark and frantic and it's pretty intense. So yeah. uh, thematically, that's where he was at, talking about his health, talking about his marriage. And it was interesting too, that the recording process itself 
of course, mm -hmm. had these stories around it. Um, Stephen Morris, uh, the drummer, had talked about how their producer, Martin Hannett, um, mm -hmm. said, <laughs> he said, oh, he played one of his mind games with us when he was recording it. Morris said, it sounds like he was a tyrant, but he wasn't. He was nice. We had this one battle where it was nearly midnight. And I said, is it all right if I go home, Martin? It's been a long day. And he said, okay, you go home. So I went back to the flat, just got to sleep. And the phone rings. Martin wants you to come back and do the snare drum. At four in the morning, I said, what's wrong with the snare drum? <laughs> so every time I hear, that will tear us apart, Stephen said, I grit my teeth and remember myself shouting down the phone, you bastard. I can feel the anger in it even now. It's a great song. It's a great production, but I do get anguished every time I hear it. <laughs> what a great quote that really places us at what that recording was like, right? Damn, man. That's serious. Like, they were they were grinding. Oh, my yeah. gosh. <laughs> they really were. They really were. So that really painted a mental picture for me of yeah. what that was like. And so I thought that was pretty funny. And another little piece of what I thought was, yeah, a little bit of kismet was uh, Bono from U2 was actually in the studio what? the night they were recording the song. So, and it just was happenstance, right? But um, yeah. Bono had come yeah. in to see if their producer, Martin, would work with U2 to produce a single they were working on. And so, like, Bono had this interaction <laughs> with Ian. And he had said later on, said talking to Ian Curtis is or was a strange experience because he's very warm. He talked. It was like two people inside of him. He talked very light. He talked well-mannered and very polite. But he got behind the microphone. He really surged forth. There was another energy. It seemed like he was just two people. And, you know, love will tear us apart. It was like when that record was released, it was like as if there were the personalities separate. And there they were, torn apart. So get these couple perspectives, right? about what it was like to be Joy Division, recording that, just kind of the mindset that everyone was in, right? Mm -hmm. Especially Ian, and we'll get to that and how that unfolded in an unfortunate way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so this is definitely the first song I ever heard from them, and I couldn't agree with Bono more, and it's so random that he was there, um, yeah. you know, as becoming a fan and, you know, over the, you know, over the years, becoming more and more of a fan, they're definitely part of my top five. Um, yeah. Last Joy Division, absolutely part of my top five. Um, you know, just uh, their music just in general, before even knowing any of their backstory, it has a lot of heart and soul. Um, totally. You can, and from the, from the lyrics and just from Ian's deliverance, um, you know, the music, of course, that accompanies it, it makes it all come full circle and very powerful. But um, yeah, Ian, Ian was Joy Division. Like, uh, yeah. you know, that they, he was Joy Division. Like, it's just when you, when I think of them, I think of him. And uh, he's definitely, uh, I wish he was still around because I can only yeah. imagine the greatness he would, he would have brought, the more of the greatness he would have brought to the industry. Totally agree. Totally agree. And as we're, uh, as we're alluding to Talk Tuners, if you're not already familiar, we will share kind of what ended up happening here. So in this case, uh, Joy Division recorded Level Terrace Apart in early 1980, um, in accordance with these things that were all happening in the studio. Uh, but it was actually released posthumously because unfortunately, uh, Ian Curtis died by suicide later that year, um, which uh, 
you know, he was going through a lot. There's a lot of tumultuous things happening. And it was still, of course, just this very shocking thing. Nobody predicted happened in that way. They, um, so they recorded it. They did a music video in spring of 1980. And just three weeks after they recorded the music video, uh, he died. So it's all very fresh, right? When it was happening Mm -hmm. and to have that release after his death, like unfortunately a number of uh, music folks over the years, is just something that it's still sort of hard to wrap your mind around, right? Yeah, I mean, they were just on the brink of, you know, of becoming huge stars, they were. Um, You know, as you you mentioned, you know, this came out posthumously, well, now, unfortunately, Ian died the night before they were supposed to go on their U.S. tour. Like yeah. that, they were on the brink of yeah. becoming major. So yeah, it makes this added more sadness onto this for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's one of those things too where you look back and it's hard to believe. Um, and as we alluded to as well, they do have this legacy. They have this cultural legacy with the song mm-hmm. with the band themselves. Um, you'll hear this. I think kind of everywhere and the song lives on. It was named the best single of all time by NME magazine in 2002. And that's uh, 22 years after it came out as well. So I feel like it's just a touchstone for um, how it lives on just musically, right. In catalogs Mm -hmm. and uh, all these different places. So we know that their legacy lives on and we're just thinking about their legacy as a band too. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. They have quite the catalog, um, you know, outside of Love Will Tear, Tear Us Apart. Um, you know, Steph, share some of your favorite jams, because I know you got plenty. Yeah. So the band after Ian died, they changed uh, their name to New Order um, after that happened. They had actually, it was interesting, all the band members had previously agreed we're going to stop using the name Joy Division if any member left the group. They, mm-hmm. I don't think when they made that proclamation amongst themselves that they were thinking that the band members would leave in this tragic way. And I don't think anyone could have predicted it, but it's something that they had kind of in place ahead of time. Yeah. And it's something that they had thought of ahead of time. So um, they moved forward musically after that, but uh, they had this great catalog in the meantime of, I mean, they're pretty prolific for the, relatively short amount of time that they were together as Joy Division. And to that end, I always think about these different ones that pop up in pop culture, including Dead Souls, which I think is a track that people, you hear them cited a lot, you hear it pop up in different places a lot. I think we've even talked about it in brief on the show before in passing. Yeah, yeah. There's a, uh, the cover I think that is the most ubiquitous that you've heard is uh, from Nine Inch Nails, who mm-hmm. did a crazy, amazing cover of it for uh, Woodstock 94. Mm-hmm. And Trent Reznor, to me, has always had just qualities in his voice that remind me of Ian Curtis. It's got some gravelly uh, little bits to it. It's got, uh, it's got those warbles, and I think he did a wonderful job. And that, of course, when he performed that, Woodstock is also the year it was included on the Crow soundtrack, which I know we've also mm-hmm. talked about on the show because we love that soundtrack. Um, so it's great. I think Ian would really approve of this cover cheer all the time. And I think it's just very much in the spirit of Joy Division. 
Yeah, absolutely. First time I heard uh, Dead Souls was on the Pro soundtrack. And so yeah. um, as I got older, I mean, that came out when I was in middle school. So as I got older, definitely was like, oh, snap, Guns, Joy Division. And I was like, oh, that wasn't Trent's song. I mean, Trent's cool and all, but he ain't cooler than me and Curtis. So. Yeah. <laughs> Be like, hey, Trent, there's only so much. Yeah, I mean, well, it just goes to show, I mean, some a point that, you know, we have made with all these wonderful artists that we talk about on the show is that they get influenced from somewhere. Like, you know, totally. there's, it, it's hard to figure out what came first, the chicken or the egg, because it goes that far back, you know? Yeah. So, it, yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's cool. Definitely one of my favorites there as well. Um, yeah. You know, I absolutely love She's Lost Control. Um, speaking that uh, that particular song is about a woman that uh, Ian Curtis saw, I believe is an employment agency, um, have a seizure. And that was definitely, um, you know, it was before he was diagnosed as well. So he wrote that song. It's definitely one of my favorites for sure. Um, I do like the song Warsaw, um, as well. That's a good one. It's got, it's, uh, it's not, uh, it's got energy. You know, it's not, it's not like a drawn out gothy song or anything like that. It's not sad. It has a lot of energy. So they were a rock band. Yes. They are part of the dark wave. They're part of post-punk. Um, but their music, um, I, I couldn't like pigeonhole and be like, yeah, this is goth. This is rock. They are, um, yeah or post-punk i just think they're they're just a good band i don't know I, I can't put them in any category even though they're always usually um pegged with all of the um the dark wave folks like you can always hear level toast part it's gonna happen at the goth club if you're there <laughs> yeah it's gonna be it, it's gonna come on and everyone's gonna flock down so but uh you know i know folks that aren't necessarily into that scene that like new or uh, excuse me like new order yeah, yeah. <laughs> and sure. like um and like joy division yeah, um, totally. I would say a song that I absolutely love. That is something that um, I don't know. I've never heard anybody else talk about it, but New Dawn Fades is one of my favorite jams. It is definitely very dark. Listen to it um, when you're not in a bad mood <laughs> or sad. <laughs> well, that's a good disclaimer. Yeah, um, that is definitely has some soul in it. You can feel pain. I mean, man, but um, I'm just I'm into that shit. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Steph, I know I know you have more on your list. Yeah, those are great choices. I always think how I think my personal favorite Joy Division track is Transmission. So good. Mm-hmm. It was released it's actually on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> I mm-hmm. I will spare everyone from having me sing that right now, but big fan. And it was released just as a single on its own, but the earliest version of that is from the Warsaw album. Um, Steph, as you shared, that was their early name right? That was yeah. the only name of the band. And so this mm-hmm. Warsaw album, for folks who don't know, was known um, as the RCA Sessions. And it circulated on bootlegs for years. It was recorded in 77, 78. They didn't, uh, they didn't love it. And so mm-hmm. it took a long time uh, to get it released. It was, um, it was in the 90s, and they named it Warsaw, that whole collection of songs. And that was the earliest version of that transmission. So I always think about that just the evolution of their songs but if you look at other things off that album you know it's also just pretty straightforward punk um there's tracks like the drawback that remind me of the buzzcocks or the undertones 
just very straight ahead punk. So it's interesting. They've gotten these labels over the years as, oh, you're definitely post-punk or you're definitely this. But to me, I was like, oh, they have so many straightforward punk influences. And then um, Mm -hmm. I think we've also seen, you know, sometimes they're just unfairly pegged as like mopey goth rock. But those are usually from people who know like two of their songs. And I feel like that's a that's a pretty unfair generalization, but I've seen it more than once. So I just want to encourage folks to go listen to those deeper tracks because they're incredible and they're very just competent musicians. Right. And I feel like that is sometimes lost in the discourse a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Joy Division, yeah, they're definitely more known. New Order would be the most popular, um, especially because, I mean, it was, it's a different sound. Yeah, um, different it's sound. It's New Wave. It's 80s. It's 80s dance. Totally different vibe. Um, but, uh, you know, they're, they definitely live on um, in pop culture to today. So um, if you guys haven't seen Jordan Peele's remake of Candyman that came out in 2021, um, I recommend it. There is a scene um, <laughs> that takes place in an art studio um, where a curator is walking around and uh, she's wearing a Joy Division shirt and she talks in Joy Division lyrics. <laughs> it's funny. That's, um, awesome. I, I, that's all I got to say about that scene. Of course, there's more to it. It's a horror movie. It's Jordan Peele. Um, but check it out. Um, it, it was something that made me smile while I was watching it. I'm like, this is cool. Um, you don't see Joy Division a lot in movies, at least I haven't, but that's yeah. definite pop culture right there, which is cool. Um, and just so you guys know, Peter Hook and his, he is a band um, outside of New Order, Peter Hook in the Light. Um, he just recently wrapped up his U.S. tour. Um, he was playing um, Unknown Pleasures and Closer albums in their entirety, oh. along with B-sides of, yeah, along the B-sides of Joy Division and then some New Order songs. Um, I would love it if anyone from our listener base went out. I unfortunately missed that show. Um, yeah. And I'm still still pretty bitter about it. But... <laughs> But, uh, but, but yeah, um, would love to hear anybody who's out, uh, who may have caught him. I know that he had sold out shows in Chicago. He, he played two nights in Austin. Yeah. Dallas, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. So, I mean, Joy Division, the spirit is still there and, uh, and it's great because it shouldn't, it should never fade. Totally. Definitely not. Totally. Yeah. And I think that they will live on and have lived on just thinking about how long that they've been gone as a band and how they've traversed right all these years so i feel like that's the strength of who they were and the strength of their music well yeah stuff and then to even think about this like i mean just a little bit about ian curtis's personal life well he has a daughter that's our age like oh wow what (laughs) yeah like ian curtis like same age as my dad i was like what like like, it's it's nuts okay no i didn't know that yeah yeah um so yeah he has a daughter it's our age and um yeah it looks just like him pretty crazy (laughs) and you know yeah another form of legacy right is the literal Mm -hmm. legacy of uh everyone just generationally who's still around and who's connected flesh and blood um, to him and to the scene right exactly exactly well um you know our shared memories is around um a movie that was made in 2007 about the band it was called control and tony wilson actually was a part of the production not cool yeah um so yeah so tony wilson actually passed not too long ago unfortunately but um you know he definitely 
brought the um, brought the story of Joy Division to the big screen, and it was exciting um, and very cool to see it with you, Steph. Um, you know, we saw on the Lower East Side, right? Yeah. Lower yeah. Side, yeah. And it's awesome. back in 2007. It was this awesome yeah. experience, yeah, to see it on the big screen. And it's really just follows the life of Ian Curtis specifically in this mm-hmm. movie. And it's a, it's a lot to take in, honestly. It's really well done, as you can imagine. And as we've just talked about, Ian had a really tumultuous life. And so they um, touch on various aspects of that. The actor uh, Sam Riley plays Ian Curtis. It's, a, mm-hmm. it's an intense story, but it's definitely great. And you should check it out if you haven't seen it. I would encourage you to find it. It's just a way in which I think their legacy lives on in pop culture, right? This was in 2007 yeah. this was made. How many years after? Well, yeah, for sure. And then the movie's in black and white, so it, it, get, it has a certain vibe to it. Um, you know, so there's, and you think Manchester, England, it's super cold, you know, not all the time, but of course, it's a, they just put these elements together, of, you know, just like yeah. of English, English culture, the, the post-punk era, it's awesome. But yes, the movie does follow Ian Curtis's life. And for those folks that may have not seen it, it'll shine a light on um, his marriage and his rise to fame, him being uncomfortable with it, I guess. It kind of seemed, because I mean, obviously I haven't talked to Ian. He didn't write it down. Sure, sure. Not that I know. I mean, I'm not his best friend. But, you know, just like all of these things that were coming out, it comes full circle, um, also talks about his estranged relationship that he had with um, this woman by the name of Anique. And I can't remember her last name, but um, she was a very big part of his life while he was out on tour. Um, She was a journalist. And um, there was, I mean, he was young, man. He was 23. So he lived life fast. He got married quick. And, you know, had a child and then, you know, this rock and roll stardom. And then on top of that, getting, you know, having epilepsy, that's, a, <laughs> and, and back then it's even think about the treatment is not yeah. what it is now. No. So you can only imagine what he was feeling through that. And it, the movie is captured it, all those feelings and all of that. And the music, most importantly, the music. Yeah. That is, it's excellent. Yeah. I own it. I, I yeah. made Jeff watch it like a couple of times. I'm like, I don't care how depressing this is at the end. We're watching it. Yeah, no, totally. The music I think is uh, what really takes it to the next level in this particular movie. I'm really obsessed with the control soundtrack and a memory that I have is that my workplace at the time was having a secret Santa and mm-hmm. uh, we had just seen the movie Stephanie. And so I just remember uh, somebody knew who had my name and that was like a good friend at work. And so they put like a little bug in the ear of the person who had my name to be like, you need to get Stephanie the control soundtrack. And it was because I come into the office, like raving about how much I loved the movie. And I thought that was a really fun little thing. So I really loved that soundtrack. Definitely check it out. It's got Velvet Underground, Brian Ferry, others. It's really good. It's a great snapshot, I think, of the era and before what came before as well. Yeah, talking about that music, I remember um, it has to be on the soundtrack because it was used in the movie, but there's a scene where young Ian is kind of coming into his rock stardom, trying to figure out kind of like what he wants his stage presence to be, and uh, he's listening to Gene Genie, uh, you know, yeah. he's standing in a mirror, and he's, you know, trying to figure out his rock and roll persona. <laughs> it, it's so fucking great. Um, absolutely, absolutely love it. Um, yeah, so, I mean, the movie is, of course touching a lot of heaviness because of the way it ended, but it does capture 
the um, the energy that the group had together. I mean, they were, you know, they joked around a lot. It seems like they had a lot of good sense of humor um, articles that I've read, you know, from Peter Hook, from interviews and stuff from that short time. Um, you know, they, they have good relationships. So it definitely came out of left field for them uh, with Ian's passing. So it's definitely tragic. Totally. I just, it's funny, Stephanie, because I just think like we have these kind of several Joy Division memories just because we... <laughs> both really mm -hmm. big fans and i also recall us like quoting the song atmosphere to each other just kind of an interpretive interpretive dance form folks who don't know the yes song, you know there's like that was the way yeah. in silence like over and over and we thought it was hilarious at the time well, yeah, we had to kind of like lift up our moods and that was actually the final song that's played in control. So yeah. it's like, it was playing and it's like, oh shit, man. Well, let's just, uh, I don't know. We're all feeling, we knew it was coming, right? Obviously this, this wasn't, right. you know, right. a fairy tale with a happy ending. No, but unfortunately not. Shit, shit, man. I mean, it's like watching La Bamba, you know, Richie's going to die and it's sad as shit. But you keep it's watching, sad as shit. Right? Exactly. So, keep watching. Yeah, it's good. It, it's good. Man, um, yeah, Joy Division, guys, if you have not listened to them, definitely do so. Let us know what you think. They're a very unique band, um, and yeah, they, I absolutely love them, and I'd love to hear anybody who's even seen New Order in their prime. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're one of my favorites, too. They're not top five, but they're close. They're up there. And uh, yeah, so I'd love, I'd love to hear anyone's stories about either of these two bands um yeah it's good stuff same yeah i'd love to hear that yeah it's a they have quite an interesting story and you know we know it's a pretty dark one so mm -hmm. uh hey talk tuners we just want to say thank you for sticking with us and we do know we've shared some heavy stuff today and uh although we had that trigger warning we know it's can still be a lot so if you're going through a crisis you've been having a rough time and you need to talk there's actually now a new national suicide and crisis hotline just called 988 988 and it's national so we yes. just wanted to share that for us-based listeners and help spread the word uh, please don't hesitate to call if you need to and i'll even add to that too um, i see a lot of um, public health messaging that's out there that sometimes puts the onus directly on the person going through the crisis to go find these resources. So I do want to also flip the script a little bit here in this uh, small platform that we have and just encourage you to reach out to someone today who might need to hear from you. That might be a friend you haven't spoken to in a while, might be someone in your life who's going through a hard time. Reach out today, consider this your sign. Let's destigmatize taking care of mental health. Let's take care of each other and let's normalize the conversations, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, you, you need a community, man, like any anything else anything else you need that support that support network thanks for bringing that up stephanie for sure um you know hey talk tuners connect with us i just mentioned that i want you guys to let me know anybody who's seen new order anybody who just loves joy division why do you love joy division what did joy division mean to you connect with us follow us on the socials um you can find us on fb ig and tiktok at stephanie's talk tunes and we are um at stephanie's talk on twitter um you can also email us at stephanie's talk tunes at gmail.com um, you know, if you want to support us, there's definitely so many ways of doing that. Simply writing a review on Apple podcasts or good pods, just leaving a five star rating us helps us tremendously. And thank you to all of those folks that have been um, supporting us along the way. We cannot thank you enough. 
Um, you know, definitely we have, uh, we, we, we have it all y'all. We even have a merch shop that you guys should be checking out for sure. Uh, Stephanie's talk tunes, you know.com. You can find all sorts of cool stuff, some mugs, a hoodie, uh, buttons, pint glasses, uh, color changing mugs. Like, come on, Very man. fun. Very you know? Fun. Yeah. And thank you to, um, just again, just a big thank you, um, for everyone that's listening. And, uh, you know, this is Stephanie Pena, and I am out. I'll see you guys soon. Stephanie Myers out here. Peace, talk tuners. We'll see you in two weeks. By now, you know that sound. It's the sound of the Home Depot. But what about those sounds? Those are the sounds of an LG wash tower with ultra-large capacity, serving up a powerful yet gentle clean in just 29 minutes. Making this the sound of savings on the best appliance brands. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Get up to 25% off the LG wash tower with ultra-large capacity and reduced wash time. Pricing valid January 5th through January 25th, 2023. Gas dryer extra. U.S. only. See store online for details. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship. The studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.